the digital transition. Digital Transition, a podcast series created to assist those tasked with implementing digital strategies, where we will share our knowledge and experiences to support you in your transition. Welcome to the Digital Transition, podcast number 22. I'm your host, Nathan Hildebrandt, and today I'm talking with Andrew Kerthois. Now, Andrew is a member of the Australasian BIM Advisory Board, and I'm hoping through today's podcast to help raise awareness of what ABAB does and the role it plays in industry here in Australia. But before I talk to Andrew, I need to talk to you about our exclusive sponsor, NBS. The new Queensland Government BIM Data and Information Guidelines recommend the use of Uniclass 2015 classifications. Now, these provide consistency to the Australian industry with Uniclass mandated by the Transport for New South Wales and the Victorian Digital Asset Strategy Guidelines recommendations. Now, MBS Chorus Australian Content Library allows you to specify your project in Uniclass 2015, so tying it all together. Now, to learn more about MBS, head over to their website, www.thenbs.com.au. So, Andrew, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Pleasure to be here, Nathan. Thanks for having me. First of all, I guess I have to welcome you back. Now, since we spoke last year, and last year it was really exciting to get to talk to you about the work that the Queensland Government was doing. Since that discussion, only recently in the last couple of months, you have moved on uh, from your role in the Queensland State Government. Would you be able to share with the listeners uh, what you're up to now so people know what you're actually doing? Thanks, Nathan. Yeah, I'm happy to to share with you and the listeners what, what I'm doing. Um, the work that I was doing with the Queensland Government uh, came to a bit of a logical uh, conclusion initially, and I've now moved on to work with the Cross River Rail Delivery Authority, looking at how the uh, what the governance arrangements need to be to transfer the data and the physical assets to the eventual owners and operators of those assets. So, for example, the, rail, the tunnel and the, the rail that Cross the Rail are, are creating will become the asset of Queensland Rail. And Queensland Rail, as you probably are aware, are working on the development of their BIM approach or their digital engineering approach. And the stations below ground and up to the ground will become the responsibility of Department of Transport and Main Roads, so uh, through TransLink. Um, so they get responsibility for that. So we're looking at the government's arrangements around that to ensure that those asset-owning agencies and those uh, the recipients are well-placed and indeed can pick up the data and the asset and start operating it from when Cross River Rail commences. This is only a short-term role, um, Nathan, and I'm really delighted to be helping Cross River Rail. Um, and I'm looking forward to um, future opportunities to continue to contribute in the BIM space. It's exciting to hear about your involvement with Cross River Rail because it is one of the most major infrastructure projects that the 
various government agencies will own and I could imagine us having a whole conversation alone on that one project. But, you know, today we're actually going to be talking about the, Austra- the Australasian BIM Advisory Board or as ABAB as it's, it's, as it's kind of terminology or acronyms kind of used a lot around uh, industry. ABAB itself is a conglomeration, uh, you know, um, of of organisations and and I think you know one of the things I guess we'll talk about today is about ABAB and what it's actually doing. But I think it's also important to talk about the industry bodies that have created it. So mm-hmm. can you touch on briefly about the Australasian Procurement Construction Council, another acronym APCC, and the Australian Construction Industry Forum ACIF? You know, so who are they, and 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 what and who do they actually represent? Well, great question, Nathan. Um, as you know, with all uh, groups like like ABAN that uh, get created, there's usually a parent body or parent bodies which look after them. APCC, the Australian Procurement and Construction Council, consists of Australian and New Zealand government agencies with responsibility for disciplines around procurement, construction, asset management, property management, um, policy and practice. So it's a big suite of responsibilities. As that peak council, it has a um, collective membership across Australia and New Zealand, which creates a unique, you know, what we like, what APCC likes to consider as a unique central national repository of knowledge and expertise to support improved delivery of services. Now, this is critical to get better outcomes um, at all levels of government, but also to work um, with industry to get better outcomes as well. So that's APCC. ACIF, the Australian Construction Industry Forum, um, facilitates and supports an active dialogue between the key players in the residential and non-residential building and engineering construction sectors and other industry groups and government agencies. So the members of ACIF are um, the most significant associations in industry spanning the entire asset creation process from feasibility through design, cost planning, construction and building, building management. And one of the key things that ACIF does is also does a lot of forecasting work. So as you can imagine, through the pandemic, um, its information and the work that it's been doing to look at how um, the construction industry um, is responding and performing has been critical, both for governments, but also for industry members. So these two groups uh, came together um, a number of years ago and recognised that digital engineering or BIM was certainly going to become front and centre for asset creation across government agencies and government departments. Um, And they recognised that there was a gap um, in that policy leadership space um, that needed to be um, fulfilled. And so they established the Australasian BIM Advisory Board with uh, a lot of of um, good industry participants, including uh, someone you've interviewed uh, last year, Richard Choi. Uh, Richard makes a great contribution uh, to ABAB. But also what it does is it brings the industry together with government. So government can actually hear what some of the challenges are that industry are facing and and industry in, can, in turn can hear some of the um, challenges that uh, the government members face as they de- develop policy and procedure in a bit of a capital constrained environment. But as we've tried to do, we want to ensure that we get good outcomes for um, industry to invest with confidence. 
once again, I think I'd, I want to stick on this chain of thought with the APCC and the ACIF, uh, mainly because for some of our listeners, before ABAB was formed, a lot of significant documents for industry have actually been produced from these two organisation bodies. So the, the key thing, I guess, to understand from uh, the listeners' perspective that aren't aware of those organisations is that one side is the asset owners and one side of the pe- the supply chain that bring it together. So the positive that we're seeing is, is that they're not working in isolation, they're working collaboratively, which is really, really important. So both of them understanding each other's needs and, and challenges. From my perspective, I think the really important thing to talk about and make sure people are aware of is that there are a number of guides that have been written by the yes. ACIF and APCC. Specifically, uh, the one that I think is most important is the BIM knowledge and skills framework. Yeah, and look, Nathan, collaboratively, ABAB has has um, prepared it and a lot of um, individuals around the ABAB table have contributed to it, but ACIF and APCC have um, been able to find the funding to actually get it uh, delivered and um, created and now made widely available for those who'd like it. It's really good to see, as you rightly point out, both industry groups and government groups working uh, for the benefit um, of all all parties. Um, And by that I mean it's really great to see an acknowledgement between industry and government entities of the roles that we all play in the creation of an asset. And if we're going to do that, we need to have, it's it's really important that we get good outcomes and we learn from one another. And as you rightly say, we do it collaboratively because if we don't do it collaboratively, we're nowhere. Um, And we need to recognise and understand uh, the value that each party or each participant can bring to the overall um, delivery of policy, which reflects to a large extent, Nathan, uh, the requirements around the delivery of an asset using digital engineering or BIM. So we're quite fortunate to have a great group of people sitting around the table, but also contributing and being well connected with their industry sectors and being well connected with their governments to give good outcomes for asset creation. Yeah, it's 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 a positive thing from my perspective that, you know, they, they come around the table. Now, I guess the main reason why we're wanting to have a chat today, and I'm and I'm finally getting to it, why was ABAB formed? Well, as I sort of alluded to previously, um, APCC and ACIF recognised that there was a um, bit of a gap in the market. And so um, leaders from government, uh, industry and academia sort of came forward and said, look, we think that there's there's an opportunity for the adoption of BIM and also um, project team integration, PTI. So the Australasian BIM Advisory Board was created from the, those two organisations, ACIF and APCC, noting, of course, the importance of engaging with industry and academia to promote and get best practice um, and consistent BIM approaches, um, standards and requirements across all jurisdictions. That, That was the aim. Now, there's still a long way to go, but that was the aim. And it was because the members of that inaugural committee recognised that the real challenge in the Australian market is that fundamentally Australia is such a small market in the the international sphere. 
So if we are creating barriers to entry between um, different jurisdictions, between the Commonwealth um, and the states or between um, the territories and the states, then you'll end up costing industry more to deliver assets. And what we're trying to do is reduce the costs to delivering assets to improve productivity, improve productivity, to improve asset outcomes, to take a leadership role in coordinating the consistent adoption of BIM and associated integration and collaborative processes um, across government. And that's if we can do that and provide confidence to invest, we will have done our job. Yeah, I think it's really important because, you know, for those people that are residing in different states of the country, they would see the various activities going on from different state government agencies or state government bodies as a whole like we have here in Queensland and you have VDAS out of Victoria. Or in New South Wales, we actually have a more granular approach with an agency-by-agency approach, you know, so you have Transport for New South Wales going in a a particular approach and, you know, uh, health health infrastructure and even schools infrastructure down in New South Wales are all kind of just going about a a different way. Most of these people that are doing these implementations are all sitting around that table at ABAB and... And I'm assuming that there's a lot more sharing going on because you actually set up that table rather than everyone just going about it their own way. And it would probably work a lot better than just a phone call every so often to one another saying, oh, I'm just working on this stuff. What do you think? You're absolutely right. The key to this approach is to share information, to share experiences, to share learnings about how each jurisdiction is going, but also to recognise that it's not linear. Okay, part of the challenge is that that um, you don't identify a problem, resolve the problem, implement a solution, and move on to the next issue. Um, we know that each jurisdiction has its own um, you know, approaches, that each jurisdiction has its own challenges, and that each jurisdiction does things slightly differently. But what we're trying to do at a national level is get a holistic approach where there is a level of consistency around asset information requirements, and that's why the Australasian Beam Advisory Board has prepared the Asset Information Requirements Guide, um, which is available to be downloaded off our website, Nathan, but also the BIM Process Consistency Report, which is also available to be downloaded off our website. And the website for your listeners, in case they're wondering, is uh, abab.net.au. But it's really important to actually have a look, get onto that website, have a look, see what is available, because that information has been, and the the two publications have been welcomed by industry, welcomed by government, and provide a level of consistency and support. That helps in the conversation that we're trying to have. That helps to get a common set of principles for governments to um, continue to deliver, and also helps clarifying BIM roles and responsibilities. That's what we're wanting to do is deliver certainty to invest, but also to really deliver confidence and to be a leader across all the jurisdictions that industry recognises, that other jurisdictions recognise and that we all share information together. You're absolutely right. We can't just have a phone call and go, hey, what are you doing? You know, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? No, we actually want to make sure that we 
exchange good information, that we learn from one, one another, that we support one another, but we also get good outcomes or better outcomes for our industry partners and also for everyone involved in the delivery of the assets. So it is a collaborative approach. It is a, a well thought through approach um, and it's one which is delivering dividends, Nathan. Yeah, well, you can see that in, in one simple scenario with regards to industry or government agencies now almost deciding or aligning on one classification system for their projects. You know, it started off with with Transport for New South Wales with Uniclass 2015 and then you see mention of that in VDAS. So the positive is is that this collaboration at that, at that national level and table is actually providing a direction, you know, and and many years, you know, I'd be having conversations saying pick a side with just classifications and, you know, that would just make one thing easier. And now the positive is is that a direction has been picked. So it's without that table discussion, there would be a a guess in my head that uh, different industry or different agencies would go, well, you know what, I've been convinced this is better. I'm going to go this direction. And we all know standards aren't perfect, you know, and and classifications aren't going to be perfect either. But, you know, knowing the way in which um, the responsiveness of MBS to the changes for, you know, that, that classification means that we've got direction, the standard isn't perfect, but it's going to be updated on a quarterly basis and a continual improvement basis similar to the challenges we have with IFC as well in terms of it needing to be continually updated to align with industry needs and responses and stuff like that. Now, I get distracted because I like talking about standards. I don't know why. But, you know, with regards to ABAB and, and I keep kind of drifting off my topics today, I don't know what it is about me today, but let's go back to ABAB and talk about the Australian BIM strategic framework. So would you be able to share with the listeners, Andrew, what this framework actually is? Sure. Thank, thanks, Nathan. Look, the framework in my mind is very important that um, we get a level of consistency around all the jurisdictions to progress an approach to BIM. There is a growing body of evidence that there is value in the approach at, that BIM promotes. There is incredible value from the collaborative approach that uh, industry uses. And there's an incredible value in that collaborative approach as information transfers from profession to profession in a consistent way to get good outcomes for assets that have been created. Therefore, it should translate into good outcomes for assets that are going to be managed. Therefore, it should translate into good outcomes for users of those assets, which ultimately Um, should transfer through to good outcomes for taxpayers who fund the assets. I mean, we've learned through COVID-19 that, you know, the government's now got umpteen billion dollars that it wants to throw at things. But the reality, reality is it's taxpayer money and what we're doing is we're trying to ensure through government policy settings that the taxpayer money is used wisely to support the economy through these challenging times. So in asset management and asset creation, we also want to ensure that asset development is developed effectively and consistently and shows good value to taxpayers. And that's why the Australasian BIM strategic framework was developed, Nathan. 
what we're trying to do is develop a consistent approach, which the Board of Treasurers are now taking up and reviewing, to look at how they can apply um, a consistent approach nationally for the delivery of BIM or digital engineering. So again, once you uh, engage the treasurers and treasuries around um, the nation, in that framework, the value that can be derived from good data, the value that can be derived from improved asset delivery, the value that can be derived from improved asset outcomes, so asset operation, can return dividends back into the various jurisdictions that are using it. So it's recognised at the bureaucratic level that this is of value and certainly the Victorian government um, has been championing, championing the approach and the Victorian Treasurer took this to the Board of Treasurers and the strategic framework will, do, will go a long way to helping embed BIM or digital engineering into asset management into the future. It's not a sit and forget. It's not something that's going to happen uh, this week and next week and away we go. This will take time. This will take a lot of effort. We are talking about cultural change across all jurisdictions in Australia to get better outcomes for taxpayers, individual jurisdictions, taxpayers. So that takes time. The work takes time, but if we do it collectively and we do it with the support of industry and we take industry along the path with us, we will get better outcomes, which means that we will get better asset utilisation, better, better asset optimization, which will improve outcomes for taxpayers into the future, which is what we should, in my view, what um, public policy should be leading to. One of the things that I think that would be nice moving into the future is Treasury actually acknowledging the cost of maintaining assets. That'd be a nice that'd be a nice uh, uh, juncture for the future, wouldn't it? Because you know a lot of taxpayer dollars, the focus is on that capital funding. You know, dealing with a lot of you know not for profit organisations myself. The interest is in the built asset at the start, and you know the the cutting of the ribbon at the opening. But the true cost of these facilities is in the in the long term cost of it, which is where hopefully these efficiencies are starting to be gained. So that might be a, an interesting, you know, I know with with COVID right now, you know, the objectives and projects that might have been of interest to the ABAB board with their with their kind of project teams that get put together would have would have, have taken a hit. Uh, you did talk about the projects that have been delivered already uh, from from the ABAB board and, you know, thankfully I was a participant in the Asset Information Requirements Guide. Uh, champion, that one I have to acknowledge Neil Greenstreet more than anything because he championed that guide and did nearly all of it himself, <laughs> which is an yeah. impressive feat. But are there any projects that have been set up or uh, kind of up in the air or ABAB uh, moving forward. I know, you know, that's what I said, this, this 12 months is kind of almost lost, but were there any or are there any coming up that you're aware of? So, Nathan, um, you're right, this 12 months is as like every sector of the economy, like every organisational element within government, like all of our lives, um, 2020 will be a year to remember for a whole lot of reasons. But that, and there has been a slight interruption to ABAB's work because a lot of the people who've been working on the development of a consistent approach across Australia have had to be diverted to um, more pressing issues. So the, the work plan that we had, had set 
um, for 2020 um, has been interrupted. Yeah. But that's not to say that ABAB hasn't met. It's met, met, it met uh, in February in uh, Melbourne, which was the last time we got together. As a, as a in a face-to-face sense. We then had a very good meeting virtually in June and we'll have another very good meeting, I believe, uh, virtually again in September. It's a consolidation year in a sense, but as well as you can, as you can expect, um, the, Austria, the Board of Treasurers has an incredible focus on uh, reigniting elements in the um, in each jurisdiction's local economy. And so, in fairness, uh, they haven't had the capacity or bandwidth, as everyone talks about, um, to actually look at um, the policy requirements around um, BMDE. And so, that's something that will be get that will get considered in 2021 and 2022. So there's a lot of work that's been done. There's also a lot of work being done with academia to um, ensure that there's a level of consistency and support across um, the various uh, levels of academia, whether it's uh, secondary education, tertiary education or the TAFE and training sectors to make sure that there's consistent approaches that need to be delivered to get good graduates, um, whether it's uh, secondary graduates, um, tertiary students, um, or through the training and TAFE sector, to get good graduates who are then entering the market and able to contribute to good outcomes for asset creation and asset um, delivery and asset optimization. So... It might not be as as intense as we had hoped when we uh, met in February in Melbourne, but certainly um, the work is still underway. There there will be good outcomes. This is about consolidating all the the work that has been done and and trying to ensure that we get the good building blocks in place, Nathan, so that when we reach the new or the next normal, whatever that's going to look like, we can uh, get underway again very effectively um, for the benefit of of all jurisdictions, for the benefit of industry, um, and also for the benefit of individuals because we want to um, make sure that we take individuals along with us to get good outcomes so that they can see the value that ABAB provides um, for the, the sectors. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those years where we could push push to the side with with, with some of these items that you know that are not actually centre and focus and are important. Let's just try and get something out there to make the world move again, which is really a, a challenging <laughs> thing. And you know, I I really would hate to be in the position of a treasurer right now with the with the challenges that they have to face and the you know the political decisions they have to make in and around spending to reignite the economy. And, and the challenges that they're going to face uh, in the back end. But the positive being that, you know, moving forward into the future, you know, ideally this, the efforts and energies that ABAB are working on will see the cost of delivering assets decrease and the cost of maintaining these assets decrease. So therefore have greater benefit, you know, talking about consistency. If there's consistency, obviously, then it's going to make it easier for people to do work across different agencies and different and different states of the country. You know, the, the size of our country, as we as you stated, is so small that it's very important that we do things consistently. So that's a key thing as to why ABAB's there. Now, moving to the future, 
let's take a step into the future now. <laughs> if I'd said this at the end of 2019 or even in February in your board meeting in February <laughs> when you sat down and met and said, you know, you know, everything's going to change in a couple of weeks' time and, and everything's going to be put on hold. Now, let's just assume that the, uh, uh, you know, a slightly newer normal will appear at the back end and let's just imagine a domestic market rather than an international market in 10 years time uh, assuming things go back to normal of some sort in terms of you know normal day-to-day work life in 10 years time what do you think we'll see from the work from ABAB what what will the outcomes be what will be its main legacy that actually that 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 people will remember ABAB for and the importance of it and, and why it was created in the first place? Oh, a great question, Nathan. Um, two things. I hope that um, the legacy is that we have embedded in all procurement processes across supply chains and across industry that BIM DE is valued and that we aren't having these conversations about what it can do and how it can do it. That's the first thing. I really hope that that it, it's it's part and parcel of the delivery of the procurement process of the supply chain process, the delivery and asset optimization and operation process. Simply so that people just accept it as it should have always been there. You know, it's not not something new. It's not something exciting. It's not something interesting. It's not something different. This is how we should have always been delivering assets. Finally, I hope that ABAB will have faded into the distant memory of individuals or of people um, and they'll go, well, what was ABAB again? What did it, what did it do? And, and someone will be able to say, oh, yeah, that was the group that actually spearheaded um, the change to where we are now. So the legacy will be that we will have an incredible um, approach. We will have a well-understood um, um, and embedded approach to in the supply chain, in the procurement process, in the asset design, in the creation of the asset, in the operation of the asset, which will be all second nature and BIM, will, BIM DE will just be part of that. ABAB will have played its role. It will have successfully transformed the way that industry works um, and people will just be moving on and going, well, that was, you know, that it made a great contribution at the right time and the right level. It didn't specify outcomes. It didn't get down in the weeds. It stayed strategic. um, And we can thank the participants around the table, industry and government, for the great outcome of the day that they delivered. So essentially the goal is BIM as business as usual. And and hopefully hopefully, uh, everyone's forgotten what ABAB was or people that are new to the industry just just assume that's what life's actually about. That would be ideal. And then, and then we don't have yeah. to talk about this anymore and everyone just actually gets more focused on um, designing and building assets or maintaining their assets and, and not having to keep talking about process all the time. Correct, correct. You know, the, the, the students doing their ATARs this year um, will go through university and those who choose engineering or those who choose architecture or those who choose quantity surveying um, or those who choose construction management or any element which makes up the asset delivery process will just be will have throughout their courses embedded elements which focus on BIM DE um, and they'll accept it 
they won't think it's new. They won't think it's anything out of the ordinary. They'll just accept it. And when they move into the workplace, they'll be going, yeah, well, this is what we do and this is how we do it and this, this is a great way of working. Um, that, that would be a great, a great outcome, Nathan. So, Andrew, thanks very much for your time today, mate. Greatly appreciate it. Now, I'm going to ask you the same question again I asked you 18 months ago. Now, the interesting thing is with, with people and, and, you know, as we progress through our career, we learn that we actually know less than we knew before. You know, the more you learn, the, the, the less you know, you, you realise you know. Now, the question is, 18 months on, I want to know if your thoughts have changed. What does BIM mean to you, Andrew? <laughs> well, Nathan, um, this might surprise you. It still means a bloody lot of work <laughs> that needs to be done across um, industry and government. That hasn't changed. But I think the thing that has changed, it's valuing the information. You know, it's better information management. Um, it's better information outcomes. Um, if we can have you know, a greater acknowledgement of all industry participants in the value of the data, that is fantastic. It's, we've still got a long way to go, um, but we are not, um, the, 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 the path probably isn't as steep as it was, I would say, 18 months ago, but it, there's still a long way to go. But equally, look, you know, you're absolutely right. The more you know, the more you want to know, the more you can see what you need to do. Um, so there is a lot of work to do. But I'm encouraged by the professionalism of industry associations. I'm encouraged by the enthusiasm of individuals who get involved in the delivery of this. I'm also encouraged by the support that um, different organisations um, and industry associations show as well by the recognition that um, you know, your work, Nathan, is getting because of the, your listeners regularly tuning in, regularly hearing what's going on and getting good outcomes and good engagement um, across the sector. So well done. Keep up the, uh, the, the great podcasts. We look forward to hearing them. And um, maybe in 18 months' time we'll be back again sitting together and wondering what the last three years has been like. But thanks very much. That, that will be scary. You know, the, <laughs> the problem is is that for the last 15 years the same conversation has been had around BIM and, and hopefully that, you know, you are right in what we talk about in 10 years' time, you know, with ABAB and people seeing it as a distant, distant memory. You know, that would be wonderful. But thanks again for your time, Andrew. Now, for more information on ABAB, please head over to our website for further reading. I look forward to sharing our next podcast in a fortnight's time. Until then, good luck with your digital transition. For more information, or if you'd like to continue the discussion in the comments section, head over to our website, thedigitaltransition.com. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on our future podcasts. Digital transition.